Mana 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 Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Brandon. Hope you're well. My guest is the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, Kansas City's independent source for news and culture, and whose work helped expose the alleged sex cult and pyramid scheme Nexium. In addition to being a comedian, actor, author, podcaster, and Tallman, please welcome Brock Wilbur. Welcome. I think we can drop the alleged now that they're all in fucking jail. That's what I, okay, see, that's, that's what I was wondering, because it felt very dismissive of people's experiences to say alleged, but I also don't want to be sued by a company or quote-unquote multi-level marketing corporation that is funded yeah, I, by I spent a, a couple Abrams of years, era. including, uh, especially the months right after it came out, where every time yeah. a package was delivered to my apartment, I was like, it's a fake delivery and they're going to serve me with a lawsuit uh, because they operate by the Scientology playbook. Uh, and and yeah. uh, thankfully, uh, like they just went into panic mode and lo- broke down and lost their shit. And then everyone else picked up my story. And it's like, there were suddenly too many people to try to sue to, to make it go away. So, <laughs> well, thank God in a weird way. And it's a weird double sword, you know, being like, oh, I'm not alone in this. And the numbers help you out because, right. yeah. Yeah, uh, again, this is a Seagram's heir is a part of that organization, and they have just uh, truly unlimited funds. But when did the paranoia go away, or did something like that ever truly go away? Well, uh, they actually, (laughs) immediately following the release, before it got picked up a lot of other places, they actually hired a private eye and somebody from their own organization to follow me and my wife around our neighborhood in Los Angeles spying on us and spying on the apartment building as if they were going to find something on me that like would make it invalid that I proved that they were running a bizarre multi-level sex cult shit thing. It was like the first time we noticed that something was up was we were, me and my wife were sitting alone in a bar that we frequented that no one came to. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. It was happy hour. There was one other dude in the bar. He sat real close to us. And at some point, my, my wife leaned over and said, hey, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every time you talk, this guy writes in a notebook. And when we stop talking, he closes the notebook. And I was just like, oh, my God, okay. And I went up and asked the bartender who knew us. I was like, hey, I, I slipped her a note. And I was like, hey, this is weird. I know it looks like I'm asking for your number or hitting on you, but you have this credit card. Can you just give me his name? And of course, went right back to our table, Googled, of course, he was a low-level member of the organization. And then later, a different, more professional guy started taking photos of me, mm-hmm. but he was being so obvious about it that it was clearly just to intimidate me. So I was in a Subway restaurant, and he was standing outside, maybe 20 feet away, but shooting photos clearly of me with the sort of gigantic comical lens that you would be like, that's for shooting a bird 120 meters away mid-flight. And I was like, yeah, I guess show the world that I'm getting a $5 foot-long tuna. I, I know that people that eat hot tuna are monsters. It's fine. This is this is what will save you. <laughs> yeah, what if that's the lead in, in the expose of your life? Right. Hot tuna consumer. The uh, the breast body, I mean, in a weird way, it's just like, wow, that is very representative that, that they have exponentially more money than sense because they have all of these resources to be able to facilitate these things while doing everything possible to be awful at what they do. Right. The, the, the way I fell into them, if you don't know the story about me finding Nexium, uh, is that uh, they recruited me for a job to work at uh, what was ostensibly supposed to be 
a news organization that exposed fake news. And this was right after the 2016 election. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, I knife can't think of, of anything. That, yeah. yeah, I would love to. <laughs> oh, the knife of Aristotle. But the knife oh, that's of what it is. Sorry, is, sorry. It's equally good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, had this, it had this wild fucking name that no one could explain to me what it meant. But I was like, I want to make change. And this sounds up my alley. And the, the money sounded great. And ahead of me taking the job, they're like, by the way, we're offering this to you, but first you've got to come to the woods of Albany for five weeks to take this ethics training program we have. And I was like, what happens in the woods? And they were like, just come to the fucking woods. It's fine. Just, just come hang out. And I was like, that was when I started to be like, wouldn't it be funny if this was a cult? And my wife and I were like, ha ha ha. Yeah. And then me and friends started looking into like the money and we were like, oh, this is associated with this organization that is fucking shady as hell that we followed it up. But like, to your point, they're an organization that has all these other arms that are under different names that work in stuff like acting, just like Scientology, or that work in yoga, or that work in male feminism. I, I don't get it. So this was them trying to open a new branch, and they were trying to actively hire journalists and that was sort of the downfall was that, like, if you bring in journalists, people with critical thinking skills and try to th throw them into cult training, they're going to go tell that story. And I was just like, why would you, of all the things to try to do yeah. that you didn't think two steps ahead, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I heard you on a podcast, too, where you said that you'd spoken to somebody who actually went into the woods for that five-week training and that they had the cell phone blocker and that they tried, they change their diet, you know, the, the dietary restrictions of vegetarianism in a an effort to, to control them as well. And it's it's all Jim Jones Scientology, yeah. like chapter one level like work. It's just like, you're not even very good at this. And you didn't have any new ideas. Like, it's so wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they read the first chapter, like, they've got some points, I'm gonna move on. And since I have no understanding of the value of money because I'm a Seagram's heir, amongst other, uh, amongst other things, that I'm just going to go ahead and, yeah, let's just do that. That'll yeah, work. Yeah, so it's, it's great uh, moving from uh, writing about cult film to writing about cults and then never really coming back from that. Yeah, yeah you you said, too, on your website that that's when you consider yourself a journalist, obviously outside of the events itself. But how did that change the course of your life, just what your work going forward? Both my wife and I leading up to 2016 and the election and that sort of turning point uh, for America had both really worked mostly in pop culture journalism. Mm -hmm. And then that happened. And then we both started taking a lot of jobs working in national political journalism. And so that was sort of the thing for me that I was like, oh, hey. I don't have to write about like hate watches on Netflix. I can write about people I actually hate. And it was also sort of this interesting moment in my personal life where like things about my past and like previous relationships came back to bite me in the ass a bit. And they were like, yeah, you know, you've, you've been a, like a, a shitty boyfriend to people. And I was like, oh, I can like, now I have a sort of a, a bloodhound sense of like, if I, if I know what about me made me a shitty boyfriend, I can look at cult leaders and companies and see the abusive behavior there on a much larger scale. And I'm like, I recognize you. You're what I was in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know. It's There's a small redemptive arc in that for me that I feel personally that I spend a lot of time going after the bad because I'm like, I would like to cancel out the much smaller bads that I've done in my life. But, uh, yeah, my wife uh, is the head political writer at themarysue.com. Mm -hmm. uh, so she covers national news every day and uh, 
I've moved from national news and such to managing the pitch in Kansas City as the editor-in-chief, where now I get to dig into a lot of local news in, in a city of a couple million. And it is wildly rewarding to, you know, my wife has to write about Trump every day or, or something Trump related. I get to write about uh, a lot of stuff affecting people in my community. And then I get to visibly see the effects of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this is much more rewarding than sort of throwing your opinion into the national well. But like, I am glad that the two of us get to do the two ends of that because like sometimes she comes out of her office and is like, hey, I I think this story works better for you than for me. And I, I get to do the same. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that collaborative development is really cool. And it is kind of an interesting parallel how the journalism that you're doing, you know, versus your wife's more national scale is kind of representative of like your career as a stand-up comedian and that you get the feedback that she might not and you actually get to to quantify that, you know, right. at some level. A friend of mine, Jason, who lives in Kansas City, he brought you to my attention and said, oh, this would be somebody who, if you can get him on the show, I think to be really worth your time and would be really interesting. And Thank you, Jason. <laughs> yes. And first of all, he's 100% correct. But also, <laughs> it's funny that this was on, I think, Monday, he told me. And then not long after that, you know, a handful of days after the story that you co-wrote, I have a byline on, on the Alamo Draft House, specific to Kansas City, but also the overall seemingly corporate culture, mm-hmm. which in my head, I remember just as a film fan and just kind of consuming all this type of information, remember the Harry Knowles situation that involving like Button Amathon and his long history with Alamo Draft House in Austin, mm-hmm. the Devin Faraci hiring as somebody writing copy for Fantastic Fest. Yeah, the secret rehire. Uh, yes. Which yes. I, I, even within that, like the explanation that they gave was like everyone deserves second chances, and holy shit, do I believe in that? But like also like second chances can't be secret and without anyone changing anything, and so it's just sort yeah. of like oh, that's a that's a weird way to handle all that. And also in Los Angeles, my wife and I lived a block and a half away from Devin, and I I knew his then girlfriend. We were friends from the comedy community. Mm-hmm. And I, I look back at that time and how much I really, really sucked up to him because like I really wanted to write for the site and my pitches were never accepted. And so uh, when that hit, it is the smallest passive aggressive thing. But I was just like, ah, good. Yes. He never yeah. followed me back on Twitter. And it was just like, <laughs> there are much larger issues here. But on, on this incredibly petty level, I was like, okay. <laughs> well, you know, on the bright side, it's a far different for that, which I, I get that too about like just little things like that. Mm-hmm. As, but as opposed to a possible reaction being like really shitty people would respond in a situation like that of, oh, I knew it then. As if like that is indicative. Oh, know, that's my favorite thing. You know, like, it's, you know the it's, shitty spite and then they're reveling Everyone did it with in. Chris Hardwick where they're like, God, I fucking God. knew he was a creep the whole time. I was like, you did at midnight games every fucking night. In no yeah. world were you like, yeah, I know he's a creep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, especially I would imagine in just the Hollywood community and, and the comedy community too. But yeah, there's a lot of resentment towards somebody just out of the sheer nature of being so incredibly successful. Right. And, you know, as somebody who did listen for a time to like the Nerdist podcast and stuff, and I did find personally grating, but <laughs> that doesn't mean, you know, the things that he allegedly did by any stretch. It's not like that translates to that. I just like don't uh, wouldn't want to be around him. Personally. When, when I worked at Nerdist uh, as a freelancer for a bit, one of the first things I heard when I came in was that you don't write negative coverage about anything because 
Chris is probably either friends with that person or wants to be friends with that person. And I was like, that's a hell of a way to run a website yeah. that tries to do entertainment journalism, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what if Joe Rogan was a geek? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's like, obviously, Rogan doesn't. I mean, I I think he's genuinely dangerous, frankly, because he just has a gigantic platform and he does it to gives a gigantic platform to a lot of truly awful humans. And on top of that, does nothing in the way of pushback whatsoever. And so it's just whatever they say goes. And right. granted, this is more <laughs> through the prism of benign pop culture entertainment, but Hardwick did always seem to be a clout based star fucker. Right. Because the other day, actually, I was rereading the stories on him. I don't know why exactly, but just how they're like, yeah, if you were somebody with some clout, he would talk to you. But if somebody else walked in, like, you know, they cited Tom Cruise specifically as a type that he would immediately drop you and move on like mid sentence. Mm -hmm. And it's that weird thing, too, where you hear that. And it's not just like for me, it wasn't just, oh, I could see that. It's like, oh, I 100 percent believe that. Oh, sure. I guess it's just like it's, it emanates off of him. But I guess my, my question regarding your story on Nexium was that you said, you know, you're going down the rabbit hole of, oh, this could be a cult teehee to like reading the tea leaves and realizing, oh, this is actually a cult. And how doing that, writing on that is what made you feel like you actually became a journalist. At what point in that? If you can remember, did the light turn on to you where you're like, oh, I have to write about this? I think that there was a point where there was enough there. And like I, I had a couple of friends, including my friend Carly, who like was actually like pulling like basically FOIA level information or like mm -hmm. stuff from elsewhere on the, the dark web level parts of things. I was like, oh, this is part of this gigantic web. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, I'm not going to show up to the, the woods with no explanation, but dozens of other people are. And I was like, this will be not only the organization as a news organization will not only will that be dangerous, but like this is a, a practical and immediate threat to so many people that don't know what they're getting into. And that was one of those things like, I have to do this now because no one should go to the woods. And it took about a month of reporting and I'm, there was indeed a class of people that went there, but like a solid 70% of them like left before the end of the month and then some of the rest of them like got to the end and were like, I don't think I should take this job. Actually, they, they do pretty good about like reaching the end of their like weird training thing and recognizing whether or not they brainwashed somebody. Yeah. If they, if they were like, this person isn't 100% invested, they were like, ah, sorry, I don't think this is going to pan out. And so like, yeah, they're pretty good at knowing like this person could be a problem and we'll just let them go. Uh, and, and, and that's also true a lot of some of the people that took off, like they didn't do a lot of like lawsuit threatening stuff. They just did a lot of like, okay, well, you don't contact us again and we'll never contact you again. I hope that this is understood. I'm like, you know what? Game recognized game. That's pretty yeah. okay. Let's just all uh, ghost and uh, call it a day. <laughs> yeah, it's like they know a mark when they see one. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, some people will just be too much effort and had too many questions. And at some point you're like, you should go home. It's fine. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't like questions. That's not really how we work here. We just prefer if you just go to your Subway restaurant, and eat your hot tuna sandwich, and then just get away from us, preferably. We're trying but... to run a journalist organization where we don't <laughs> want anyone to ask questions. It's fucking wild. Just like <laughs> I don't know 
you, you, how far up your own ass do you have to be to think like this is going to go fine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, also, I don't know any journalist that doesn't like also like go into every story thinking like, what if this is my book? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> a lot of these people that I talked to that did show up were like, "Well, I'm glad you're writing it because I thought for a while like maybe I should, but I didn't have enough information." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I get it." <laughs> <laughs> well, I also see the similarity of that they had quite a bit of actors as part of it. And I imagine, too, that they those actors saw it through the prism of, on some of them, I mean, a role to play or, or just life experiences with which to have the more, you know, more emotional intelligence to be an actor. I would imagine that plays into it for them. There was a mix for the acting uh, between the sort of Scientology line of, like, we have a bunch of connections and we will get you yeah. roles, which they basically had connections in, like, Vancouver for CW shows, which... Sure. Like a lot of a lot of B plus list Tom Cruise types that they could work with. But beyond that, I, like the thing that I found fascinating and with everyone I talked to at every level of this, uh, everyone who had gotten out and some people that still yet hadn't was that mm-hmm. they were wildly smart. Like I think the, the misconception that happens uh, around cults is that like you're like, oh, these are just broken, stupid people. And I was like, you're also smart. What happened here? And it is this weird mix of like, you get convinced that like what they were doing was actually good and that your work there was actually helping people all over the world. Like you never saw the data on it, but you were told like the things that you were doing were helping like communities in Africa and stuff like that. And you're especially for the sort of person that's like, I just want to do good. Like that's a draw. But there's also a thing that I've talked about with some other people making cult related material these days where it's like, does anyone feel good or part of a community right now? Does anyone feel like social media has made your life better because it it makes you feel distant from everyone all of the time. And like the idea that you could live in a place where you saw dozens of people every day in person that were wildly engaged in your life and cared about you, like there is a draw there that I don't think any of us can say no to. Like, I want that too, which yeah. I mean, we none of us have that right now. Like all of us have to talk via Twitter, but like the idea of living in a compound anytime in post 2010, I get the appeal and I, I can't deny that. So yeah, you know, it's, it's almost as funny, I guess it maybe is in my head, but thinking about Scientology, for example, and I know that the Nexium definitely at least read the about us section of the Scientology website to get an idea of what they were about and took some notes from that. But a part of me, and maybe this is like how somebody like that can get into a cult or an alleged cult or whichever, but that you see something and you see people become part of like Scientology. And in my brain, I'm like, that wouldn't work on me. And a part of me almost wants to, would want to not ever happen, but almost like test my mettle of take, be, be audited, take one of those glasses, and then I blink and it's been 30 years and I'm a Scientologist. Like, uh, at the Scientology, the uh, Scientology Center on Hollywood Boulevard across from the UCB yeah. uh, in Los Angeles, they do uh, a lot of like weekly movie screenings where they're like, let's watch Top Gun, always like Tom Cruise or something. And they're like, <laughs> it's in our big courtyard and there's free like food and all this stuff. And so friends and I would go to those sometimes and there was always, uh, in the process of getting there, sort of a tour through the facility, an expla- explanation of Elrond, and like an offer to be able to like do some testing. And one time, like one one or two times, it was sort of fun and funny. And then a different time we went in, and you have to sign up and put your email address down, and we always gave fake names and fake emails. Uh, and one time, by the time we'd finished the tour, somebody came out and identified all of us by our actual names 
and our oh. jobs and the publications we wrote at. And we're like, oh. do you want to come talk to us further in this other room? I was like, no, we're going to piece the fuck out. Holy shit. This is really <laughs> scary. You you were really good and fast at that. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I'm going to skip out on all the right moves for tonight. I don't think I need to see a, a Pennsylvania based football drama starring Tom Cruise at the moment. But thank you. Give me cocktail and a test. Let's see it. <laughs> yeah. You know, little did you know that there is that possibility you might join that illustrious startup, the Spork of Osiris, but unfortunately <laughs> you didn't get there. To be continued. <laughs>